0: Hello and welcome to Phenomenal, the podcast where we talk about women who have been underrepresented or written out of Irish history. You are listening to me, Maria, and... Me, Shauna. And this week it is Shauna's turn and Shauna is going to talk to us about...
1: Kiss Kavanagh, who was a woman of many disguises, or one very good one, and a soldier... And you can hang on to your bootstraps, because it's going to be a good one. You ready?
0: Yeehaw!
1: So Kit Kavanagh was born as Christian Kavanagh, or in some sources, Catherine Kavanagh, but by all means, Christian was her middle name, and that is important later. And she was born on the outskirts of Dublin in 1667 to a family of malsters, beer-related, and she grew up on a farm in Leekslip in Kildare. Her family were Protestants, but they supported King James II's campaign in Ireland, even though he was Catholic, and her dad fought on his side during the war. Her dad was killed in the Battle of Orym, and their land was seized by the Williamite government, and they were broke. By all accounts, she was a very strong, smart, capable woman, with traits and tendencies more traditionally assigned to men, And there's a quote of her saying, my inclinations while a girl were always masculine. When she was a teenager, something happened to her involving her mother's relative. They say she was seduced in some sources, others say she was taken advantage of. But by all means, they're kind of dancing around the term. It suggests that she was assaulted. And after this, she fled to her aunt's pub in Dublin. She lived with her aunt there for four years and worked in the pub, and when her aunt died, she inherited the bar. It was here she met Richard Walsh, or Welsh in some accounts, a servant of her aunt's. She ran the pub as her own, and he was one of the waiters. They fell in love, got married, and had two children. Kit was pregnant with the third when one day her husband disappeared. Now this is where things get interesting. She was obviously distraught and searched everywhere for her love, but he was nowhere to be found. And a year later, a whole year later, she received a letter from the Netherlands, and it was Richard. He described how on his last day in Dublin, he got blind drunk and woke up on his way to Holland, forcibly conscripted to fight for King William III against the French.
0: What a dick. <laughs>
1: I mean, who hasn't woken up and you know, <laughs> somewhere strange, regretting what they've done? <laughs> At least not been on a boat to Holland. How did it
0: take a year to be able to send a letter? That's my issue.
1: I know, I know. Some sources say he went out to pay a bill and never came back, which is
0: essentially the <laughs> what sixteenth or seventeenth century equivalent of going out for a pack of cigarettes.
1: Exactly. She's like Nelson in The Simpsons. And it's really funny because in other sources, it just says, under circumstances that are unclear, her husband ended up in the British Army. I just love that idea of like,
0: oh, no, I went out and took some shots and now I'm in the Army. You know shots were involved.
1: Most definitely. (laughs) The fear would be strong.
0: Liquor shots and then pistol shots.
1: Anyway, uh, she got this letter and all of her focus turned towards finding her husband. So she left her three children with her mother, cut off her hair and took one of Richard's suits and enlisted in Duke Marlborough's infantry under the name Christian Walsh. I love so much that back in those days you could just change your name and there was no way of checking. Oh yeah, you could just go to a new town and be like, "I'm so and so," and they're like, oh, "Nice to meet you, so and so." I'll think nothing more of it.
0: Hello, nice to meet you. It's me, Magella. I don't know why I came up with Magella. It's it's close to the name M, uh, the name M, the letter M. I'd come up with a better one on under different circumstances. No offense to Magellas. It's a lovely name. I'm going to stop talking now.
1: <laughs> okay, she was twenty six at this stage. She would tell people she was in battle looking for her brother Richard. She first fought at the Battle of Landon, which is not London, (laughs) where she suffered a leg injury. She recovered and was soon back in action but was quickly captured by the French. She was exchanged after nine days and returned to the front, all the while keeping her sex concealed.
0: I just find that amazing that nobody noticed she was a woman. Also, Good thing about the French soldiers, because, you know, at least they weren't trying to pull anything that they shouldn't have, which would have led to them discovering what gender she was.
1: Mm. Yeah, it is unreal that she managed to keep her sex concealed because she was really convincing as a dude, so much so that women around her kind of fell in love with her. Uh, One in particular was a young girl that was weak for her. I'm using the pronoun her because Kit, although she dressed as a man, she identified still as a woman. So when I say she, sometimes it's she, but she's dressed as a he. The girl that was uh, in love with Kit was attacked by a sergeant in the regiment and Kit fought for the girl's honor in a duel with the sergeant. And some accounts say she fatally wounded him, Others say he died, but either way, she was discharged from the army for her sins, so to say. But she didn't give up there. She re-enlisted, this time in the Second North Royal British Dragoons in 1697. And it's like what you talked about earlier, that you could just go to another town and no back checks were necessary. So she just re-enlisted somewhere else. She gained a nickname, the Pretty Dragoon obviously, because she would have had feminine features for for a man. But yet they didn't suspect anything.
0: Look, at least they were somewhat on the ball. (laughs) Yeah.
1: She mixed in well with the men and no one suspected her secret. She would eat with them, drink, play cards with them, and even urinated alongside them using what she described as a silver tube with leather straps.
0: It's kind of like the early day versions of those horrible things that you can use at festivals.
1: A she weak? Yes, it is. She should have patented that. Yeah. Hmm.
0: So many thoughts and questions. I feel like you're not going to be able to answer any of them. So let's move swiftly on.
1: <laughs> let's move on. Another time a prostitute claimed she was the father of her child. And instead of proving that was impossible, Kit said she was and she paid for the child's maintenance for years
0: cool i wonder was
1: that a blackmail scheme possibly that makes sense i was like "Geez, what a kind noble woman (laughs) but it probably makes more sense that it was uh it was underhanded somehow
0: like she could have just been pretty sound like she did defend your one's honor plus also don't forget i am totally like writing a story i'm giving like character motivation to this real person just to to elaborate But also if she was a victim of assault or abuse when she was younger and had to, you know, uproot her entire life as a result, she could just be like proper like Batman vigilante.
1: Exactly. And as well, if she was to say, though, I'm not the father, like what would her defense be? You know, she would have outed herself. So it may have been a selfish reason to.
0: She could have been like, she has the pox and I do not have the pox. So therefore, I am not the father. <laughs> it's been a while since I mentioned syphilis, in fairness.
1: It has, it has. Well done. We should get a syphilis jar. Every time you mention it, you have to put a fiver in the jar.
0: No way. I can't afford that.
1: <laughs> okay, 50 cents. <laughs> Better. During her time as a dragoon, Kavanagh grew to enjoy the life of a soldier. She particularly enjoyed the marauding and looting that followed in the wake of battles. For a woman who had been successful in business, i.e. when she was a, a landlady of the pub, she was alleged to be just as successful a marauder.
0: I mean, I guess that would make sense. I can imagine that like bars and taverns back then weren't exactly the most sophisticated affairs. So if she grew up around all that kind of cruising, another word I love to throw in every so often, you know, she could probably cruise with the best of them.
1: <laughs> most definitely. I think she did. She went on like this until the war ended in 1697 when she went back to Dublin, and she was kind of resigned that she wouldn't find her husband at this stage. So she went back there, but hostilities kicked off again in 1702, and back she went to the battlefield. So she wasn't there. She was back home for five years. In the book Wild Irish Women, Extraordinary Lives from History by Marion Broderick, She says that Kit discovered that her marital inclinations had been awakened and promptly re-enlisted. Now, personally, I wonder how much of this was still about the husband. You know, it gives a good objective for her to go away, I suppose, and leave her family and what have you, to say she has to go off and look for her husband. But to me, it sounds like she liked being a soldier and she liked that life. So when the war kicked off again, she was first on the front.
0: So there'd been no word from the husband in all this time, had there? Not yet. Ah, no, I'm just wondering because it's like, oh, look, something fun is happening over there. And my husband, who I haven't heard from in many, many years, who is a soldier in a time when soldier mortality rates are quite high, he must also be there and I will go find him because he is in no way dead.
1: I'll just go search all of Europe with no address.
0: And that's it. And if I manage to have the crack on the way, then it's not real crack because I'm on an important business trip to find my possibly, probably more than likely, but I know you're going to tell me not dead husband.
1: Exactly. Spoilers. She fought for the next two years, still inquiring after her, quote, unquote, brother. She was wounded at the Battle of Schellenberg and got a musket ball into her upper thigh, but she refused to be sidelined and continued on to fight in the Battle of Blenheim and came out unscathed with no one the wiser of her gender. So this is what I was talking about, that she got injured a good bit, but she managed to keep her gender under wraps.
0: Especially thigh, like how high in the thigh I wonder was it?
1: It said in the sources that she insisted on just keeping going, even though the musket ball was lodged into her thigh. She was a hard knock.
0: <laughs> I was also thinking maybe maybe bullets weren't that painful back then. I mean, I feel like they probably were still painful. But
1: I looked up musket ball just to see because I was like, how could that be lodged in her? pretty big
0: they're kind of like little metal maltesers aren't they
1: the picture i saw was more like a little metal fist like that size
0: ah no i'm pretty sure they're like the size of maltesers like if you had a metal fist in your thigh you wouldn't be able to just keep going like physically
1: i was like (laughs) she's like the hulk
0: But also, like, even just from a velocity perspective, like, musk guns didn't have, like, a huge amount of velocity behind them. Like, what, you'd have to have, like, almost, now I'm talking absolute shite here, but, like, bazooka, like, in order for, like, if you had, like, a metal tennis ball, like, there'd have to be a lot of force behind that to get that to actually penetrate the skin.
1: I was like, a tiny cannon. (laughs)
0: Like, a tiny cannon, like, it won't penetrate, like, it won't penetrate your skin.
1: It makes more sense that it's a smaller <laughs> thing. But I like my movie version, where it's the tennis ball size.
0: Do you need to look at the episode of Father Ted where he explains perspective to Dougal again?
1: Far away. Close? Far away. Yes, I do. Um, but after that wound whatever size it was she was sent to guard french prisoners while she was there she was looking idly around and she saw a soldier from another regiment picking up a dutch woman and kissing her and when she looked closer guess who it was that
0: cheating scumbag
1: richard After 13 years, there he was, in the arms of another.
0: (laughs) And she travelled around Europe to find that man. She put her life on the line. Granted, she did also father a prostitute's child in the meantime.
1: But still, I'd say she was faithful, because of the complications that would occur if she wasn't faithful. She said she felt herself divided between rage and love, compassion and resentment. She made herself known to him, but as a punishment, and because she wanted to continue her life in the army, she insisted that they live apart. Now, to be honest, he was already shacked up with that other one anyway, so I don't think that was much of a punishment for him. I mean, I was thinking that, like,
0: for the punishment for that thing that you did, I'm going to continue to let you do the same thing you've been doing for 13 years. It's like, oh, oh, shucks.
1: Yeah. Which, again, begs the question of how much of it was about the husband and how much of it is about her wanting to be a soldier. And I think... It's pretty obvious that maybe initially it was about going to find the husband. But after 13 years, I think her motives probably shifted a little bit. And they fought side by side for a time under the guise of brothers. So she managed to keep up her her position in the army until 1706. She was wounded in the battle and fractured her skull. And when the surgeon treated her, he discovered that she was, in fact, a woman. Apparently, her main worry here when this happened was financial rather than, you know, being afraid of being punished or anything. She was afraid she couldn't go marauding anymore. (laughs) So priorities, you know. But instead of being punished, she became somewhat of a celebrity and applauded for her courage. It was all very Mulan.
0: (laughs) I was waiting how long it was going to take for you to mention Mulan.
1: Her and her husband remarried on the battlefield and she wasn't allowed to fight in battle anymore, but he was. And she continued to follow the brigade as a sutler, which is somebody who follows brigades. (laughs) And her specialities were between being a black marketeer, a thief and a cook. Class. I think they should have let her fight, but rules. Rules, rules, rules.
0: I mean, like... Shauna, the patriarchy has stopped women from doing many, many, many lesser things over the, the past few millennia, so...
1: But wouldn't you think she proved herself, you know? She was in the army for so long.
0: When women were fighting for the vote just over 100 years ago, Do you want to hear one of the excuses that was given as to why women were not mentally capable of voting? Why? Because their ovaries were too heavy, it distracted their thoughts.
1: And you know what the really bad thing about that is? Is that that's still used as to why there can't be, like, a female president in America because people are like, what about when she's on her period or whatever? Which is essentially the same thing as having heavy ovaries that upset your thoughts.
0: But, no, but, like, this is the thing. It's not even, like, what, even forgetting they accept their thoughts because I think I added that on. It's just, like, it's not even to do with, like, the hormones or the emotional element of it. It was that the weight of them was too heavy. So if this is happening, like, a hundred years ago and we're back what 1706 at this stage you have to imagine that the level of stupidity is at least equal if not more and like if women are supposed to be these feeble creatures and all this kind of stuff plus what about the boys what about the men they wouldn't have been able to control themselves around a woman you know and they know she's a woman now so they didn't before that so yeah in an ideal world should they have let her stay in the army yeah Am I surprised that they didn't? Not in the slightest.
1: Fair point, fair point. Now, after all of her travels and everything to find her husband, he wasn't exactly husband of the year and seemed to have a thing for the old Dutch ladies. And while she was in following the brigade and all this, she discovered that one of his mistresses was also still following the regiment, so she cut off her nose. She then had her placed on a turning stool, which was a local punishment for minor misdemeanours, whereby the victim was spun around at a high speed until he or she vomited.
0: Whatever about the vomit thing? So, um, obviously, anybody listening can't see what just happened there, but when Shauna said about the cutting off her nose thing... I gasped, and my hand went immediately up to my mouth, where it proceeded to stay until Shauna finished that sentence. Um,
1: like, I know it's so mad. It's, I know it's not. It's horrific, but it's. When I read that, like just the image of A cutting off the nose is bad enough, but then <laughs> putting her on this thing and spinning her around real fast is just adding so much humiliation to a barbaric scene that she must have been really, really <laughs> angry. You know, in Lemonade, the video for the Beyonce song, I can't remember the name of the song, She Don't Love You Like I Love You, and she's going around in the yellow dress with the bash. This is like a very graphic, gross version of that.
0: Beyonce didn't cut off anyone's nose.
1: <laughs> no, she didn't. No, she didn't.
0: Did she get into trouble for this?
1: I don't think so. In that book again, Wild Irish Women, they have her quoted saying, The violence of my temper was a very jealous one sadly pushed me too far in this business to put it lightly man
0: like I'm speechless and that doesn't happen very often
1: yeah yeah well I mean she'd been fighting for so long you know she obviously had a she wasn't squeamish and was quite barbaric
0: I also did not make any puns, so I feel like I need to address the fact that I didn't do this a bit nothing to do with cutting off her nose to spite her face. And now that that is addressed, we can move on.
1: <laughs> Thanks. She didn't have too much time to punish the husband, though, which is also sucks for the woman because it was the husband, if anybody was going to get their nose cut off, not saying he should have been, but... I think her anger should have been put somewhere else. But he ended up dying in battle six months later. And she retrieved his body herself. She had to turn over almost 200 bodies to find him. Because in that particular battle, thousands of people died. She married again three months after his death. So she obviously wasn't too torn up about it.
0: I mean, they did split up essentially like how many years before that.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: Also, is there any guarantee that she wasn't responsible for his death? Was she on the battlefield? Maybe not. Were a lot of her friends on the battlefield? Yes. You know, just making up some alternative history facts.
1: (laughs) It's most definitely possible. So, after Richard died, she married Hugh Jones, but he died one year later. And she said that it didn't bother her so much as Richard's death did. So she was also a very frank woman. In 1712, as the War of Spanish Succession was winding down, she returned back to the UK with the troops. Because of her extraordinary tales, she was presented at court to Queen Anne, who granted her a bounty of £50 and a shilling a day for the rest of her life as a pension. She went back to Dublin in 1713. By that time, two of her children had died and one was in a workhouse. She started another pub business and married once again to another man whose surname was Davies, and he was a penniless soldier that was too fond of drink and spent a lot of their money. Her years in the army had left her and her husband unsuited to settled life, and for the next 27 years they moved between England and Ireland, She lived mostly off charity of people that were admirers of her or people in the military that had heard her tale and her pension, of course. She also set up more pub businesses, but they didn't last. Eventually, she was admitted to the Royal Hospital Chelsea, which is a nursing home for veterans of the British Army, and she lived there as one of their pensioners until she died in 1739. Before she died in her Elderly years, she met the author Daniel Defoe, who is the author of Robinson Crusoe. And some other famous book.
0: I have a feeling he did that pirate book. And Bonnie yeah,
1: I think he did too.
0: It was it was uh, Robinson Crusoe and Walt Landry's.
1: Yes, he met her in the old age, and she told him her tales. And she he wrote a book about her called The Life and Adventures of Mrs. Christian Davies. So many people wondered for a while whether she was real or not, because he wrote a book about her. These are all uh, real events that seem to have been verified by many sources. So there are kind of more fictional versions of her life out there, as many of these tales do from people telling them or what have you, you know, and them growing arms and legs. What's really interesting about Kit Kavanagh to me is that she's kind of different from some people in the past that would have changed their genders to kind of fit into a more patriarchal society. Well, that's the reason she did it. She did it because she needed to disguise as a man in order to live like a man. And I'm sure she was uh more fond of the the agency that being treated as a man gave her. But she did identify as a woman and whenever she got a chance she went back to being a woman. She was not transgender male by all accounts. She was just a a, a woman that needed to dress like a man to to live life the way she wanted to. Which differs from people like uh, Dr. James Barry, for example, who, as we look at his life now, although born biologically a woman, he was a transgender male. So Kit Kavanagh differs in that regards, but I think her story is very interesting, and she's really badass.
0: Do you know what I find really interesting is as you were talking about her. I was thinking of Anne Bonny because obviously they're similar for anybody who hasn't got a chance to listen to it. Myself and Shauna did an episode on Anne Bonny, ooh, probably about seven or eight episodes ago at this stage, kind of towards the beginning of lockdown, and Anne Bonny was an Irish pirate who, yeah, (laughs) liked to do a lot of the same things as as Kate Cavanaugh did, but... Yeah, I just uh, that's super interesting that both of them, the, the Defoe link between the two of them, I am quite fascinated by. I like it when our ladies merge together, that sounds so creepy.
1: <laughs> the cross, uh, <the> crossover.
0: <laughs> I like it when the narrative paths of the women that we talk about, um, uh, come close to each other. But yeah, no, cool. I had kind of, I think I read a bit of this story in the Wild Irish Women book. But yeah, it was cool to know a little bit more. Do I think that I would want to be friends with this woman? Absolutely not. I like having all of my limbs attached to my body. But <laughs> am I glad that she exists? She's kind of like the Glen Close. She's kind of a attractionist. And the thing with the thing with Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction is everybody gives her the short end of the the stick. But like, I feel bad for Glenn Close. I think that Michael Douglas is an asshole in that film and that Glenn Close is unfairly targeted because she is the victim. That being said, she should not have boiled that bunny. And I feel like in this story, noses should have remained on faces. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody can counteract that. Nobody has a has a rebuttal in terms of the the nose cutting off. I don't think there's a justification for that. I'd love to see that though on Drunk History.
0: <laughs> Next episode of Phenomena, Drunk Phenomena.
1: Oh, you mess with my man, you lose a nose. <laughs>
0: um great so thank you very much for sharing that story with us all shauna and thank you to all of our listeners who have stuck with us through lockdown and are still listening to the the rantings and ravings of two women who are still slowly going insane but hopefully less so as time progresses and as usual um feel free to Like us on Facebook at Phenomenal Podcast. Like us on Instagram at Phenomenal Podcast. Rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tell your friends. And if you have any suggestions, please do send them in. We'd be delighted to hear them. And yeah, enjoy this rainy, rainy summer weather. And we shall hopefully be with you guys again next week.
1: Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.